and welcome to the eternal flame of Phil and Lisa Ruin the Movies. I'm Lisa Schmeiser with my charming and lovely co-host, Philip Michaels. Who is he? I'll kill him. No, wait, that's me. Yeah. Uh, hey, hi, how are you? Yes, Phil, I, I gave a clue as to the contents of this podcast within the recording of the podcast. You got, you got, you got me stumped because it sounds like it's comic book stuff. Yes. And as we know, it's silly comic books for the kids. This is just proof that you can't successfully transmit mm-hmm. comic book knowledge through any sort of intimate personal content. No, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, what you should have done, uh-huh. I don't want to um, backseat drive your marriage. Yeah. Though I feel that I sort of get to since I'm married to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How can you backseat drive your own marriage? I don't know, but I'm going to try. Uh-huh. Stand by, everyone. This could be a disaster. No, what I feel that you should have done, uh-huh. low these 20 years, yeah. is during the actual ceremony, instead in lieu of vows, it should have been you reading comic book canon into the record. And then I would have had to go, okay, I acknowledge all of this. Instead of me, when we sit watching uh, the Marvel stuff on Disney, instead of me going... Who's that? And you go, that's... I know, though. And you go, that's Loki. And I go, who's Loki? And you're all, he's been in literally two decades worth of movies now, practically the length of our marriage. Uh, Loki's been around. Oh, I remember him. So... He's got horns, right? Is he the Hulk? No, he's not the Hulk. Okay. I, I feel like you're exaggerating just a little bit. A little bit. For, for comedic effect. Yes, exactly. But you are making me regret that I didn't have us wear infinity gauntlets for our vows now. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't even. dropped it still. I don't oh. even know what that would entail, and yet I'm intrigued by the spy, the chaos stone. I swear. I w- is there a chaos yeah, stone? Uh, no. There, there's, the st- there's a time stone. Uh-huh. There's a mind stone, uh-huh. there's a soul stone. Which stone is the remember to do the dishes stone? I don't know, but if I find it, I will Thanos the hell out of the I will, I will embed it I in your skull. I will snap my fingers repeatedly. Okay. <laughs> anyway, enough of Phil and Lisa and then, or the Bickerson. And then half of the dishes disappear. That sounds oh great. Does, Who needs a dishwasher? And you have I have the gauntlet. <laughs> If you snap, half of life will disappear, but so will half of your dishes. I'd be snap, snap, snap. I'd be like a like a guy at a jazz concert. You'd be like, this is Zeno's paradox. <laughs> the halves keep getting smaller, but I never really approach zero. Why? Why? <laughs> if you press this button, a person you don't know will die. Why are you pressing the button? I haven't even told you what you get in return. Don't care. Don't care. More death. You know, what I like is how this podcast was supposed to be about movie trailers and what we've learned is that you'll cheerfully murder strangers if you get to press a button. Yes. Oh my god. You know, I wasn't the one who designed the button box. <laughs> no, it's just, you show me a button, I'm going to press the button. <laughs> anyway. I think we set a land speed record for going off the rails. I don't think we were on the rails. No. <laughs> We no. haven't approached the rails. They were putting the train on the rails, and then the train, the guy laying the train there said, eh, close enough. <laughs> I think we've each picked up a rail and begun beating a tangent to death. Okay. All right, so now that we've established that, Philip, I wanted to talk with you about this Eternals trailer that we did see. The Eternals? What's that? Is that a comic book, Lisa? So this is, 
I confess, this is where you've caught me up short. No! No, there are, like, whole parts of the Marvel Comics universe where, like, the minute they start talking about the Freaky Watchers or other things, Uh I'm all, if it doesn't involve Magneto being a social justice warrior yeah like i can't tell you um i was i i i I read the comics for the superhero fights so um like i tried with the inhumans lord knows i tried with the inhumans and i had to know about that after like three trades that was the Um, okay so that's the book then they turn that into a fox thing they turn that into a magnificently awful series on disney plus disney plus okay um, with the dude anson mount who plays a very charismatic Captain Pike on Star Trek Discovery. Sure. And they take this this charismatic actor who has fantastic line delivery, and they make him a mute character. What? Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. And then... That is like when they, when they said, John Belushi, mm-hmm. you have very expressive eyes, perhaps the most expressive eyes in comedy. For the entirety of the Blues Brothers, you are going to wear sunglasses. Yeah, no, it's exactly uh, like that. Okay, yeah. sure. So yeah, like the the um, Anson Mount plays this character named Black Bolt, and the idea is that Black Bolt is uh, gifted slash afflicted with the ability to wreak terrible destruction if he ever makes a noise. Like he can't even whisper; he whispers and cities come down. So he's a silent character who's silent because of the awesome <laughs> responsibility of his terrible voice. I see. Um, he's married to like Fran Drescher. Yes, and he's married to a lady with with living hair. Also, friend. Yes, I was about to say. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, because all comics essentially borrow, borrow, borrow from the Ars Poetica liberally, um, his horrible, creepy brother is played by a guy who played a horrible, creepy brother in Games of Thrones, <laughs> Game of Thrones, and like, like, like Kit Harrington. No, Kit Harrington's like the the stunned brother. Kit okay. Harrington. Oh, like, okay. Kit Harrington's the one who just looks confused mm-hmm. through however many seasons they're all. <gasps> like, there's a reason the line "You know nothing." Jon Snow is okay. so relevant. Any Goodall. Um, that was The Eternals. The Eternals is terrible. And mm. I, who am a devotee of terrible television, have not been able to make it through more than three episodes of that. Well, there you go. Despite the presence of, you know, actors I normally like. Um, the Eternals, I don't know what's going on, Phil. I'm actually going into this one blind. I suppose I could read the Wikipedia summary, but honestly, the Wikipedia summaries tend to be written by really overinvested people. So... I have my impressions of this trailer, as do you, and my impressions are this trailer is a mess. It really is. I, I assume since the director is Chloe Zhao, Angelina Jolie is a superhero who's lost her job and drives from state to state, like yes. picking up work at Amazon warehouses well, or something. See, now I kind of want to see yeah. the, the series where you do have superheroes. You've been kicked out of the Avengers, and now you have to uh, busk. <laughs> Whatever the superhero equivalent of busking is. Uh, you know, it's it's Captain America, like on a or whichever. Well, there's this former X Men named Dazzler, where her thing was creating like useless pyrotechnic displays, and she did become a pop star. So um, then mm-hmm. you have Sean. Oh my gosh, Sean Cassidy Banshee, and his superpower was a terrible voice. So maybe he gets kicked out and busts. Yeah. Any hoodle, um What happens is Chloe Jean Zhao in this trailer. You see, oh, she's got the the beautiful vistas where you see how how lovely the shoreline is with the waves crashing against the cliffs, and then you see a bunch of. Um, um, 
previously pretty chill-looking hunter-gatherer types. Yeah, an aboriginal And then Salma Hayek does like this ridiculous um, Mm -hmm. voiceover where she talks about we've never interfered until now, when literally every shot is of them interfering. Like, they introduce agriculture, which is something that anthropologists and historians are like, oh yeah, that disrupted everything. They're like, that literally changed societies. That literally introduced everything terrible, like epidemics and sexism and slavery and and diseases. My my impression of the trailer was basically someone said, um, watch 2001 yeah. and saw all the monolith scenes and was, what if the monolith had superheroes inside? What if the monolith had really pretty people? Yeah. Because then you have like another Game of Thrones actor looking stunned. Kit, this is Kit Harrington. No, his name is Richard Madden. Oh, well, the, both him and Kit Harrington oh, are Kit Harring- well, Yeah. Well, oh, look, I have the IMDb thing open. And he says his name is Dave. Oh, Dave. Dave, of course. No, Dane. Dane. Oh, Dane. Dane oh. Whitman. I like the idea, Dave. <laughs> Dave's not here, man. Exactly. <laughs> but no, they're like, we've never interfered before. And I'm like, you've introduced them to stabbing. Like, we actually see a scene where they're passing knives around. <laughs> you introduce them to agriculture and stabbing. Like, what positive contributions have you made to these people you never interfere with? <laughs> Bollywood? Is that it? Because there's like a Bollywood there's scene. There's a Bollywood scene. Where Kumal Nunjali, like, like, he looks like he's having a terrible time. He looks well, like it's because he hasn't had bread in four years. Oh my god, yeah. Just, and, it, he, he, he sees those Subway five, five dollar football ads and, and cries. Yeah. I, I would like to eat just a, a half a foot long. Nope, none for you. No. Now this is what makes you ripped. Well, this gets to... I would hesitate to call it a problem, but I think it's a almost pre-existing condition. Is like you said, we've had two decades now of Marvel movies. Yes, there's a house formula. Yep, which I ate, which I think you and I both ably sent up in like another podcast we were on recently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's time for them to shake stuff up again. I'm really tired of looking at beautiful people in crazy CGI suits looking grimly at a skyline while dramatic music plays. Like, that's just done. I'm, I'm bored with that. And I'm looking at a trailer with all of these, again, ridiculously beautiful people lying about how they don't help humanity out. Yes. Oh, we've never interfered, say the people who introduced them to crop storage, disease, domesticated cats, and a system of tears and balances. Um, <laughs> This is basically Sid Meier's Civilization, the movie. Uh, and I love Civilization. And I, like would, the thing is, I could go through that game right now. It's beautifully shot. Sure. You know, but it's the same old, same old. At this point, it's always like, oh, we have this planet full of, you know, dumb humans, and we've observed them for years. Some people call it Midgard. Some people call it a freaky spaceship that's shaped like a paperweight. Some people... I live on the moon. And, and it's just gotten to a point where I'm like, what now? You know, I, I, I prefer the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy uh, approach where they're like, Earth is just one planet in a giant vast system. You aren't even that interesting. We're about to demolish you to make space for a highway. Like, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's where I am on it. And I also feel like, you know, Angel- they're, they're, Ooh, Angelina Jolie is making a movie. Angelina Jolie got six kids to put through school. Yeah, she's going to make a lot of movies, folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the oldest of her kids just went to college, like, 
buckle in. This is yeah. about to become the decade of Jolie because tuition ain't cheap. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so like you know, oh, we're gonna see Angelina Jolie doing commercials in a little bit. Yes. Like she's gonna knock, she's gonna knock Khloe Kardashian off the migraine circuit and be yeah. like, oh. it's gonna be Angelina Jolie doing Santori whiskey commercials in in Japan. Yeah. Yeah, so I like her as a migrant pitch woman. Yeah, sure. Having six children has been a tremendous headache. Fortunately, <laughs> I take these tablets. <laughs> tablets, eh? Yes, exactly. Okay. So yeah, I mean, will I see the Eternals? You will. Uh, you absolutely will. Uh, maybe if it's a social event. You probably will. Then yeah. people love being around you. Oh, you have an effervescent personality. Well, that's delightful. Thank mm-hmm. you. But uh, and then it's not a, it'll make its way to Disney. Yeah, I mean this stuff comes to Disney Plus at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you know why why go to the movies? So there's your favorite genre of movie, uh-huh. yeah, which is the comic book movie. It's your favorite for the for the purposes of this transition. Yeah, for the purposes of this, yeah, it uh-huh. is your favorite. My favorite uh-huh. genre uh-huh. is the gangster movie. This is true. And uh, there's a new gangster movie coming out. Uh-huh. Uh, called Lansky. No, this is not the Meyer Lansky movie that Richard Dreyfuss made uh, a decade ago, 15 years ago. I don't know. I'm so mad that you've never made me see that with you. Well, we're going to watch it. Because it was I, a- I love Richard Dreyfuss's uniquely peevish on- yes. <laughs> on-screen energy. I just he, love He's always irritated. It's so he's, delightful to he's me. He's the most peevish uh, mob boss in the world. Oh. Yeah. Well, I love that. Hey, I'm going to put a hit on Bugsy. <laughs> he overspent on the Vegas casinos. I don't know why. I'm making him sound like that. I don't, I don't like you. <laughs> Drippy Dog. Drippy Dog. <laughs> Drippy Dog is a mom <laughs> This was no boating accident. <laughs> I knew it was you, Bugs, and it broke my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be in all that jazz. Get Roy Schneider instead. We're transitioning to a completely yes. different topic. So yes. back to landscape. Back to landscape. Which is shockingly free of Richard Dreyfus. No, shockingly. <laughs> uh, instead, it, Harvey Keitel is old old man landscape. Oh, God, please keep your pants on. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, for, for, for younger listeners, there was uh, a stretch in the 1990s where you could not go to the cinema without, where, where without Harvey Keitel saying, here's my penis. And, <laughs> and you go, No! Harvey Keitel, this is an animated children's feature. They need, they need to know. Nobody asked for They need to know that the human body is beautiful. Yours is not, Harvey Keitel. Oh, God. Don't impose your beauty standards on me. Yeah. So that was the 90s. God, you which... know, just once I would like us to try and introduce a movie trailer without going into eight separate directions. Well... That today is not that day, so let's <laughs> let's embrace Harvey Keitel's penis as America did in the 1990s. Oh God, Jane Campion, we blame it, you. It was a uh, Macy's Day Thanksgiving float <laughs> and balloon. I, I hope that someone actually puts that in a report. Yes. <laughs> a podcast one said. <laughs> Snopes is going to be right on that. Contrary to the not-so-popular podcast, Phil and Lisa ruined the movies. Harvey Keitel's penis was not a balloon at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day oh Parade in the 1990s. Oh, my gosh. All right, so let's bring it back to Elf. Al Roker did not say that some penis floated through the skyline of New York. Now I know why he was in a movie called The Penis. Oh, it was, no, no. It was called it the, was piano. the Piano, and I don't know if he was in that one. Can we please get off of the pre-epic 
<laughs> detour. Sure. All right. Let's get sure. back to you'd like to get off of you'd like to get off of Harvey Keitel's penis. <laughs> Phil, no one is going to be able to listen to this podcast. We have, we have gone blue at this point. Do yes. you realize that? They have not invented the explicit tag that is big enough. Carved in L Sid letters. Okay. This is how Jason kicks us off the network. Yes. This is this is really yes. <laughs> Jason, don't listen to this podcast. Just put it up. It's fine. It has nothing to do with Harvey Keitel's. You don't have to you don't have to vet it at all. We don't talk about his Sean Stucker for a good 90 mm-hmm. seconds. Anyhow. I think you've probably thought more about this than Harvey Keitel has. Sure. Yeah. Well, he's in Lansky. He's yes. old man Lansky. With there. his pants on. Yes, uh-huh. there's presumably. <laughs> the trailer doesn't actually give him a lot of ways down shots. There's young man Lansky, who yeah. I, I don't know who that he's is. Uh, John, John Magaro. Okay. I don't know who that is. Yeah. Uh, right in, right now, if you know who John Magaro well, is. The, 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 from what I saw with the trailer, uh-huh. and bear in mind, I didn't know a whole lot about Lansky's life or why I should care. So don't tell me. Okay. Yet. I was okay. going to say, uh, based on the trailer, I saw a lot of pastiche and homage to other better gangster movies. Yes. Like there was a 15-second sequence that's basically a dead ringer for the best part of Miller's Crossing. Yeah. A movie that I've seen multiple times with you since it's one of your favorites. Mm-hmm. And there were also multiple scenes that were an homage to Goodfellows and at least one Godfather reference that I picked up. And in all of this is Sam Worthington, who continues to occupy space. Yes, he is the, I think he is the writer who's yeah. trying to write a book about Meyer Lansky. And gets yeah. sucked into the web of uh, lies, lies blah, and blah, deceit. Blah. And it's just your typical BS. Oh, you know something. Oh, I'll kill you if you say something. Oh, you know something. Oh, I'll kill you. And mm-hmm. of course, there's women involved. But the women are basically accessories or plot accelerants, mm-hmm. from what we can see. It does not look good. I will no. probably watch it if it comes to a streaming service we already own. Oh, yeah, Plus, okay. uh, David James Elliott is in it. And you will know him as... Jag. Our, our good friend Jag. One of the angriest I've ever... Like... One of the, the, your father was so flustered. My father is a big fan of, of the Jag. show Jag. And, um, and for a while, uh, we were living down in Southern California, mm-hmm. and my job was still up here in Northern California. So every, 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 every couple weeks. You come up once a month, basically. Once a month, I'd come up and I'd stay with them as a, as a, as a both cost cut, cutting measure and a way to relive uh, my teenage years. And, except now, and now the shoe's on the other foot, old man. And my father loved to watch Jag at night. On Friday nights. On yeah. Friday nights. Um, and I. Um, I, was in, I, I came up to fetch you one Friday night. Mm-hmm. And I sat down and I had never seen this show before. And I asked you about it. And you said, well, there's Jag and there's Mrs. Jag and they have Jag Adventures and your father gripped the sides of his recliner so hard that I think he tore upholstery. Yeah. And he gritted out, their names are Harm and Matt. Yes. And so for the next hour, Philip Michael showing the same tenacity and input the perversity that prompted the Harvey Keitel discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, recap the episode in real time while systematically referring to them as Jag and Mrs. Jag. Jag and Mrs. Jag. They're they are legally married. Yes. And uh, their ranks have their names. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it was. So David James Elliott, whom I remember as having occupied space on that show, will be in a movie where Sam... Worthington occupies space. Yes, and, and Harvey Keitel occupies a lot of space, yes. as we can tell from the 1990s. Anyhow. All right, let's get that. That's Meyer Lansky. Yeah. Or Lansky. 
And if I want to find out what his deal is, I'll read his Wikipedia. Entry. And uh, honestly, the best portrayal of uh, Lansky on mm-hmm. the silver screen, for my money, is Ben Kingsley in the movie Bugsy. Mm. Oh, oh, ben Kingsley's so good. Already. He's very good in that role. Yes. He's very good in lots of things. Okay, so we watched one more trailer. One more trailer. Made us feel profoundly old. Yeah. <laughs> this one was Dear Evan Hansen and yeah. Theater Geeks. Um, we're very sorry. Yeah, but this is this is a this is one of those that passed me by. Yeah, I I I, I speaking of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, I did uh-huh. see a performance of this one year uh-huh. in NBC's preamble to the parade, uh-huh. and I thought, oh, this oh, well, this sucks. Was my was my early uh-huh. verdict, and I mentioned that to a friend of mine who who loves theater, and no, he he's no, it's great. It, you oh, you you know nothing, and it's true, I probably don't, but it does not. <laughs> It does not ring any bells or pop any buttons. So or, if, uh, I, if, uh, if I may float a hypothesis as to why you yeah. and I watched this and we were both like, our hearts are cold and black and dead. Yes. Uh, if I may pop a hypothesis, um, number one, it's not the type of musical that would land with us because it's a musical that is so performatively sincere yeah. and earnest. Yep. That's just not our jam. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Sondheim is like your favorite, for God's sake. So, exactly. So that's and the thing is, there is a market for this type of musical where you're like music is the purest expression of an emotion that isn't being distanced by cynicism or irony or contempt. And yes. like, I'm glad that people who need that can have that. It's not to my taste. Nope, it's um, not for me. Because well, they flashed up on the screen, they said, from the from the producers of, uh, yeah. or from the songwriters of The Greatest Showman and uh, La La Land. Oh. And I was all, oh, two things that I did not like. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that, that, to me, immediately is the big, big flashing warning sign that says, not for you, for other people. Other people will enjoy it, and congratulations to them. Well, not for me. I think there are also some musicals that are very peculiar to emotional moments in your life. Yep. And once you grow out of those moments or those phases, the musicals stay there with that time, but they're not quite so resonant. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, we're about 30 years too old for Dear Evan Hansen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would agree with that. Um, you know, it's, I, I like to think of it as the rent phenomena. Because uh, I was having a discussion on the Incomparable Slack one day, and we're just bagging, and like all of us terrible Gen X people are, are bagging on Rent and how the real hero of Rent is <laughs> Benny, uh-huh. the poor hapless dude who gives his friends a year to come up with Rent. So he's like, you gotta, Benny's all, yeah, cash flow problem, but you know what? I'll give you till the end of the year to get this straightened out. You'll live here without this pressure. You'll just have a deadline to pay me a year's worth of rent. And what do these jackballs do? They neglect to figure out how to pay the rent and then act like it's unreasonable to hold them to, to the agreement he made to cut them some slack. Yeah. And so we're busy talking about Benny's the real hero. These guys are all insufferable, blah, blah, blah. And then two of the Gen Z members on the incomparable slack are like, you know what? Look, this musical actually really resonates with me and my friends we're just starting out all of you smug turkeys who have houses and um you know we can sympathize with this group of uh with this group of 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 terrible people who make waiters and waitresses lives harder by scream shouting a list of lifestyle signifiers on the tops of tables at the favorite cafe um (laughs) They, they didn't put it like that. They were all. I, I understand that. But, you know, these. these but when these. <laughs> Another evening out of the TGI Fridays ruined. Well, the, but, the thing is, 
there's that whole big love Eva Wham, and these yeah. guys are busy again scream singing all of these things that they think make them cooler than everybody else. And there's actually like a part in that number where the waiter's like, "Please no, please no, like." order something and please don't jump on the tables and sing and these guys order nothing and then jump on the tables and sing and I'm just like man everybody in this in this ensemble except for Benny is a complete turkey to actual working people <laughs> I just I love the idea that there's a song where where guys please do not sing <laughs> please do not sing I came by the I'm paid by the hour, and also your tips, your songs do not get me to. But, but, you know, again, I appreciate that the people who were in the early 20s are like, no, no, this lands with us. And Mm -hmm. we're courageous enough to speak up and make a good point. No, that's a fine point. And I feel like that's going to be the same thing with Dear Evan Hansen, is I'm sure there are people for whom it lands. Um, Again, I get really uncomfortable in my skin when I'm around people who are like, I'm feeling things, and... I'm going to tell you what I'm feeling using incredibly sincere delivery and a lot of meaningful eye contact. I'm all like, oh my God, get away, get away, get away. Can we go back to small talk, please? Yeah. So. Yeah, no, it's, so, uh, okay. no, you know, I've reached the age in life yeah. where I, I have the, um, the, the, the wonderful feeling that not everything has to be for me. Yeah. And that's, um, I'm glad. Th- this, I, I guess this the is, best, yeah. This is one of those movies. Hey, it's not for me. I'm glad if you like it. Also, uh, Evan Hansen, uh, the guy, the, the Evan Hansen apparently is, is balding in high school, so maybe that's why he has issues. Well, yeah, the guy, well, Ben Platt originated the role, from what I understand. I understand that. Yeah. He looks to be about 40 well, in the, he's in the trailer. Well, like a college student and a post college student in the Pitch Perfect series of movies. Oh. So, um, so there you although go. he doesn't have the worst hairline in those movies, that belongs to the dude who plays Anna Ken. Love interest because okay. you could watch his hairline retreat like a glacier during global warming <laughs> between movies one and three. Uh-huh. Um, but you know what? No hairline shame. It happens to all sorts it, of people. It does. It happens. But to yeah, a lot no. Of like you said, um, I think the best way to look at Jeremy Hansen is I'm glad you like a thing. Yeah, I'm glad you like a thing. Mm-hmm. And and that's it. Um, out of all of these movies, like you said, yeah, I'll probably see Eternals. And the complaint that I have, which is, can we see something now? Is not. <sighs> A reflection on the quality of the movie. It's more a reflection on what I'm looking for as somebody who's seen all these movies. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of unfair, actually, to judge the Eternals by 20-odd movies that came before them. Let's just take a look at what it is first before sure. everything else. And I will probably see Lansky because yeah. I'm the man who made us go watch Public Enemies, the John Dillinger movie, in the theater. Oh, that's right. Oh, man. Not living that one down anytime soon. That that is Johnny Depp is John Dillinger. I forget who uh, who was uh, uh, the, the the FBI agent that brought him down, but uh, it, it it's not a good movie. I think Michael Mann directed it. That's why we saw it. Yeah, because um, oh, well, Mike, Michael Mann's emotionally claustrophobic. Uh huh. Actually, no, that's not. Melvin the, Purvis is the FBI guy. Actually, not the actor. Claustrophobic is not the word. What is the word? Oh, it's like a vacuum when there's nothing inside there. <laughs> Well, that's Michael Manfred. Yes, exactly. It's, it's, it's beautifully shot, and uh-huh. it's such a great and distinctive style. But like, mm. if you're looking for material in which like the emotional hooks of your psyche can sink in and be like, yes, this helps illuminate something about me in the world, like you're not going to find it in a no. Michael movie. No, no, no. It's beautiful, and ultimately, uh, uh, it's almost like its own little <laughs> bubble. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, 
We have also watched a bunch of movies lately. Yes, we have. What have we watched? Uh, why don't we do Zoolander? Ah, yes. Because I think you're itching to talk about Zoolander. I don't, I, I don't know if itching is the right word per se. We did see Raya and the Last Dragon as well. Yes, that um, one we actually saw in the movie theater. It was very exciting, you guys. It was the first time we'd seen a movie since we saw Singing in the Rain two days before California went into lockdown. It was nice to see a movie in the theater. I. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's also really nice to support our local theater. Our local theater is great, and yeah, if you've got a great off. local theater in your yeah, area, you should support don't do it. it. Yeah, yeah. They, they blocked off every other row, mm-hmm. and uh, they assigned seats. And it was us and like six other people in the theater, and we all stayed as far away from each other as possible, mm-hmm. and watched a movie with a truly lush and sumptuous graphics feel. Yep. Um, that said, I ended the one thing that was weird about seeing movies in the theater is. Over the last 16 months, I've gotten really used to the multiple screen experience where if we're watching movies, I usually have a second screen open so I can hit IMDb or I can do Wikipedia dives mm-hmm. or go Googling in the middle of the film. And I found myself really wanting to do that with Raya because I wanted to figure out what all of the different, um, you know, are those Javanese shadow puppets that I see or what kind of... Uh, Costumes? Did the different what kind what kind of cultures are being referenced by all the different uh, nations in the film? I wanted that kind of information download, and you don't get it. That's what you do have to trade for the experience of a big screen. My my two issues uh-huh. with it. Uh-huh. Um, when you're a parent, yeah, you see a lot of kid movies. Yeah, you do. And at a certain point, you begin to recognize the patterns in plotting and story. And mm-hmm. Raya and the Last Dragon, for all of its um, uh, use of various cultures and and mythologies and all that is very much a insert tab A into slot B yeah. kind of storytelling. Yeah, you you like. you know everything that's coming. You know when it's going to hit this note and that note yeah. and the other note. And um, I, as I've enjoyed Aquafina in other movies, mm-hmm. I did not enjoy her vocal work here. Yeah. I thought it was a bit out of tone with the rest of the uh, performances. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair, fair mm-hmm. assessment. Um, what, was, what I thought was really interesting about it was, I think, a broader aesthetic trend that we're going to see in more movies. And this goes back to when I took our daughter to see Everest. Mm-hmm. The palettes, the shapes, and the landscapes are changing in animation as more and more studios look to building international audiences. Like we're no longer looking at the default American landscapes or the default American color palettes. And I'm super excited about that actually. So, Mm -hmm. so that was something I was, and again, I started Googling for references the minute we got home because I wanted to know more. Sure. 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 So there's that. So we saw Raya. Um, We do as a family have a Friday night movie tradition and so last night, after a little bit of, does this make us really bad parents if I do this type debate, uh-huh. um, we queued up Zoolander. We only covered our daughter's eyes and ears during twice. Two, two scenes. Yeah, twice. And I, and um, one was the massage scene where Zoolander has a Harvey Keitel, as it were. Has a Harvey Keitel moment. And the second was during the, the, the group um, shenanigans <laughs> scene at Hansel's Loft. Shenanigans. You know, I feel like we've tapped out of the allowable number of things. Yes, that yes, shenanigans. Yeah. (laughs) So, 
It's like this, this podcast was suddenly overtaken by a, a seven-year-old woman. I, all those, all those shenanigans. Well, they were shenanigans. Yes, they, they were. were. Extremely shenanigans. Mm-hmm. The most shenanigans shenanigans of all. Shenaniganic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, we did the, like, basically we would do a thing where we'd cover our daughter's eyes and then la, 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 la. Yep. But we let her watch the rest of it. Yep. And what was surprising, filming the observation this morning, because uh, I said, so how do you feel like it holds up? And you had said... Well, my, my, my feeling was mm-hmm. the, the equivalent of this yeah. would have been in the early 1980s uh-huh. if our parents had showed us a movie from the 1960s. And in my way of thinking, movies from the 60s when I was a kid, those were really old movies, and those those looked crazy. Whereas Zoolander, apart from some language that you, well, they're using this word that, that you wouldn't use anymore. Ben Stiller has the deplorable Gen X male comedian thing where he's like super duper panicked over the prospect of gender fluidity. Yeah. And you, 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 would, you would not use some of the terms that movie yeah. uses yeah, anymore. Yeah. Um, just, just because, but otherwise Mm -hmm. uh, a fashion thing here or there, the people in it looked like the people of today. Whereas if you were to say, watch a 19, early 1960s movie in the early 1980s, there's a, well, what was breakfast at Tiffany's bed? About the same time. So it would be the equivalent of in the early eighties, watching breakfast at Tiffany's Tiffany's, or watching the apartment or watching, um, that, that kind of thing. Don't eat the daisies. Yeah. 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 And, and uh, if you want, those look like from a different time and place. Whereas Mm -hmm. our daughter is all, wow. And iMac, those looked funny. Yeah. Uh, tiny phones. Whoa. And, uh, but, you know, it's not the job of most movies to try to forecast where technology is going. Exactly. Um, the uh, cell phone thing he got way wrong. But yeah. to be fair, who knew about smartphones in 2000 when he was shooting, exactly. writing this movie? Um, exactly. I think the reason that Zoolander doesn't feel too dated mm-hmm. is because over the last 20 years, there's been a tremendous, disru- a tremendous disruption in um, American culture thanks to the internet because people can now basically dress to identify with their own distinct subculture. Um, and they can pick up trends in the internet and pick up e-commerce on the internet. And they really don't feel as much pressure to be tied to their, their location. And because there are so many different uh, subcultures out there that basically coexist, we don't have the same really strong homogenous uh, fashion trends ethos that, that we had for decades from, I'd say the 1940s to the 19, mid-1990s. Like, if you take a look at a 1980s movie, what's really striking is how um, homogenous all of the fashion is for everybody. Like, even in a John Hughes movie, which basically treats high school like India's caste system, everybody wears effectively the same clothes, right? Exactly. It's sure. all polo shirts. It's all yep. a very specific type of sneaker. And it's, you like, if you were a clothing archaeologist, you could date it down to the year. You can't really do that now because thanks to resale markets and thanks to different subcultures picking up different clothes at different times, it's work. So visually speaking, that's the explanation for it. Um, culturally, what I would argue is because Ben Stiller's comedy isn't what you call topical. No. And it's not about any group that... Um, you know, matters. <laughs> There's not so much social transformation that takes place. Um, 
what I do think is it actually pretty accurately depicts the dying days of cultural homogenization because there's a lot pointed out in that um, movie. Oh, there's cameos from supermodels and cameos and, and the, the, the Kabbalah bad guys is loosely alluded to as like specific fashion editors and things like that. And the truth is these people don't matter like they used to. No, they don't. So it's, it's like a snapshot of the last moment before it went completely diffuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we, as we explained to our daughter, this movie um, literally came out two weeks after the 9-11 terrorist attacks. You and I went to see it in the theater because we're like, we need something to break up. We need heavy. something stupid to break up the thing. And, and it, it fit the bill as something oh, yeah. stupid. Yeah. And um, uh, so it, it literally is the, yeah. here is the before time. Yeah, it really is just a snapshot. Mm-hmm. That said, the sequel feels dated as I'll get out. Yeah. It feels like I have not seen the sequel. You actually went to go see it because you have a you have a soft spot for for old Zoolander. Well, I'm soft because some bits of it are just so transcendently stupid. Yeah. Like yeah, like yeah. the whole Derek Zoolander when they when Derek Zoolander beholds the model of the <laughs> Derek Zoolander Center for kids who can't read good and want to do other stuff good. And um, Ben Stiller nails the delivery with what is this? A center for ants? Like yeah. Like, I actually made friends based on us being able to quote that back and forth. And the Zoolander mermaid, mermaid commercial just kills Merman me. pop. Merman. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, of course I went to see the sequel with a friend. And this friend happens to be an architect. And there's a joke about architectural models, like, in the first five minutes. And just watching her fall down laughing was the highlight of the movie for me. Mm-hmm. But what was really jarring was he could, like, in the sequel... Which take which hit six like fifteen years after the original the sequel hit, um, the sequel just comes out as so egregiously out of touch in so many ways. Um, like one of the central premises is that Derek has disowned his kid for being fat, mm. which yes. is just astonishing. Um, there's there's a whole plot about how Hansel's in a group relationship and the commitment's too much and. There's just a lot of other, like, the male models run into an, a, 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 a gender-fluid model backstage, and the comedy is supposed to be that Zoolander can't quite wrap his head around it, but it's just so condescending and mean, and it treats the other model like a freak show. Yeah. Um, it feels nasty. And, and, and that dated. movie came out in, like, 2018. 2016. 2016? I want yeah. to say 2018. I believe it was 2016. Mm, well, well, we'll we'll agree to disagree. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's... It, I it, looked it up. Okay, 2016. Yeah. That's fine. And uh, it, it's just, it just felt nasty and out of touch, and it honestly made me revisit a little bit of Zoolander to try to figure out what had changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what had changed is that they probably had a lot more control over the second movie, and they went with their worst instincts. Yeah, probably. But uh, it's it's it, I I think now you can there there are some movies that feel very much of their time, but I would argue that it that you can't look at any movie made between two thousand and two thousand and twenty on an aesthetic basis, unless it's leaning in really hard to a really specific um, thing they want to say. Like if it's a Britney Spears movie, for example. The other, the other thing that struck me about the movie yeah. is there, as you mentioned, lots of cameos in it. Yeah. And there's a cameo early on uh-huh. featuring um, featuring Donald Trump and Ugh. and Melania, yeah. making this the, other than the movies with Ronald Reagan and Nancy Davis, the only movies with to feature 
uh, a future president yeah. and the first lady in non-archival mm-hmm. footage. Yeah. Um, it, and we actually, you know, this made Marcus as horrible snowflakes, yeah. but, but we booed. We, we, we well, booed vociferously. I think the reason I found it jarring was uh-huh. because I got taken out of that little movie bubble to, oh, God, that's right. We oh, just, this horrible man. We yes. Had, we, we had no idea it was coming. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, well, it made me think of, and I, yeah. I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast before. I've certainly uh-huh. mentioned this on Twitter. Uh, NBC did this promo around yeah. 2011 uh, where they had the people on their shows do Brotherhood of Man from mm-hmm. How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. Yeah. There's a musical I like. Take that, theater nerds. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it started off with 30 Rock singing it, but ex- it extends to the entire mm-hmm. NBC universe. And they yeah. they have uh, 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 the community and all the other people, people from today singing it. And then... Smash Cut to the Apprentice. Smash Cut to the Apprentice, where they've managed to teach Donald Trump one syllable that they trust him to do before he launches into a racist topic. He gets to go of, and they did that. Thank you. We're done. And it, 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 I, I was watching that one night, and he pops up, and I'm all, oh God, I was enjoying this, and now it's awful. Now it's like Herman Gurry shows up and goes, hey, who wants to party with Gary? Hey, everyone, <laughs> Herman Gary is here, the party machine. <laughs> And so, no, it's terrible. Gary was the minister of propaganda, wasn't it, he? Yeah. So that would actually be that would actually be the the dude who's behind the. the well, sure, whatever. I I'm not yeah, Jeff, whatever his name is. I haven't yeah. thought this through, Lisa. Yeah. I just okay. I just was thinking up a no, name. No, but before 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 we before we get canceled both for the excessive Harvey, Harvey Keitel talk and then <laughs> making us uncomfortably political. Uh huh. I I think what it comes down to is. Um, in a way it could never have anticipated and therefore cannot be held at fault for. Like, Zoolander is is not the little soap bubble of escapism no. it used to be. Not at all. Because we have lived through 2016 to 2021. Yeah. And that's uh, just bananas. So... Yeah, it's it was a nice little it, it's a nice little relic of a movie. Um, like you said, it doesn't feel especially dated. There there are details here and there that make it dated. Yeah, but it doesn't have that sense of the past is another country that a movie made in the early nineteen sixties would have had for us watching it in the mid nineteen eighties. So it's it's interesting to see how um, movies as a medium are also a good barometer for the rapidity with which things change in this country. Because when we were talking about it, we were like, yeah, the reason movies felt so far away in the 60s, well, to the 80s, is there was a lot of transformative social change that went on. Yes. And we took so much for granted, whereas the types of transformative change that have since happened, um, it's much more subtle, and none of that was vital to the world of Zoolander. So, of course, it's not going to be clocked. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and that was basically it. Um, that said, when I told Beatrix that um, the guy who plays Agent Morbius on Loki was Hansel, she's all, no. 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 What happened? And we're like, age happened, Beatrix. Doesn't track. Age happened. It comes for us all. <laughs> wow. Oh, no. But yeah. Oh, wow. I think Han- so Hansel's my favorite character in that movie. Oh, yeah. Well, because he's without he's without pretense. He's without... Uh... He's without hostility. Yeah. Too. And this is actually something I wanted to talk to you at large about. Um, I think one of the reasons I so rarely revisit any of Ben Stiller's stuff is I find him uncomfortable to watch. 
Like no, I I, I get that because uh, Tropic like, Thunder is currently available on one of our streaming services, and and I remember going to see that in the theater and mm-hmm. laughing. Yeah, and I I I well, I think if I watched that now, I wouldn't like it. Yeah, well, it's it's for a lot of reasons, but his 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 movies are very. Um, well, as a performer, angry but not angry in a. I'm angry at the way the world is. It's like I'm angry that I, Ben Stiller, are am not more widely hailed for my uh, my my beauty and charm. My beauty and charm, yeah. No, Ben Stiller comes off as a fundamentally hostile performer, but he's not hostile because oh, society, it's just filled with the hypocrites, man. And he's not hostile because, like you said, the world has been terrible. It's just this sense of. Why are all of you not seeing how great I am? Why don't I deserve more? This world is crapping on me. And I just don't like that energy. There's a movie he made where, and I'm I'm blanking on the title. Uh Uh, Tia Leone is Flirting with Disaster. Flirting with Disaster. Thank you. Tia Leone, Lily Tomlin, Alan Alda. And it should be... And Patricia Arquette. Yeah, and it should be a much funnier movie than it is. It's a great movie when he's not on screen. Because it's almost it's almost like a French French farce. It is. Because Josh Brolin's in it with Richard with Richard Jenkins as, yes. as, the, as, as the as the the as the romantically involved agents. Yes. And and uh, it, but but every time that he's on it's just so angry and hostile. I, like you're to, you're rooting for everyone to leave him. Yeah. Um, and, yeah exactly. and that's the thing is is I, I realized because I was watching this last night and I thought he has such contempt for Zoolander. Like, he has such contempt for the character. Mm-hmm. And that contempt spills over into everything. But his ego wouldn't let him cut that character a break. Yeah. And also, as my, my daughter was like, why would the reporter get together with him? He's such a dummy, and he doesn't treat her well. And I was like, because he wrote the movie, honey. Yes. That's why they got together. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> It's Marxism, honey. The workers <laughs> control the means of production. <laughs> but it's just... I remember seeing a little bit of Meet the Fockers, which is... Uh, the, the idea is that Ben Stiller has to meet a, a future father-in-law as played by Robert De Niro. And, oh, it's Robert De Niro. He's scary. And I ended up just feeling really sorry for the Robert De Niro character because his daughter brings home this... this <laughs> this needlessly prickly guy who's going to turn everything into a thing. Yeah. And... Um, I don't know if I'm the only one who finds Stiller so uncomfortably, meanly hostile. I actually but. I haven't seen other movies in his uh, in his genre, the Walter Mitty remake and the Along Came Polly. Uh, I haven't seen Night at the Museums. See, the reason I um, don't want to see the Walter Mitty is because one of the charms of the original, which I read, yeah, is that you have this guy. Who does have this? And I realize the joke in, in the original is supposed to be, "Oh, you've got this this milk toast who completely lacks the personal qualities. He likes to daydream, yeah, so on and so forth." And like, I feel like in Stiller's hands, it's going to be, "I'm owed this life," and just ugh, yeah, uncomfortable, yeah, you know. And what was interesting to get back to the dated thing a couple years ago. Um, are you familiar with the Stefan character that was on SNL during Bill Hader's ter- uh, regime? If you're SNL? asking me, yes, because yeah. you've shown it to me. Yeah. Um, Stefan brings Zoolander on. Uh-huh. And um, it was awkward and uncomfortable to watch because Zoolander felt even more dated from there. Like, it's a character that belongs to a really specific time and place. So, honestly, it's a little bit of a mystery how the first movie doesn't feel dated when all of the subsequent permutations have just felt really sadly out of touch. Mm. 
Um, mm. But, you know, that's a mystery. I guess we can bottom that out if we turn this podcast into the Zoolander Files. Yes. <laughs> this is now a Ben Stiller podcast. No. <laughs> We're going to spend each week watching a Ben Stiller movie. What is this week? You and the tapeworm? Yes, me and the tapeworm. <laughs> nope, nope. Peacing out on that one. Okay. Is there I, anything you're excited about seeing? I well, I, we, we've done a lot. <laughs> I will talk about a movie I just watched. Uh-huh. It's on Amazon Prime. Yep. It's from an up-and-coming director uh, named Akira Kurosawa. <laughs> Ron! Yeah, it, Ron. I, I, I just watched Ron, which is uh, from 1985. Yeah. Uh, and it's his adaptation of King Lear, only uh, as so often uh, with Akira Kurosawa, is set in Imperial Japan. Uh, it was perfect for the setting. And it, it works very well, and it translates very well. <laughs> It's a very good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some things I think, uh, as uh, as a fellow who uh, is very well steeped in Western cinema, mm-hmm. uh, there are some uh, narrative choices I think that I would understand better yeah. if if I were more well versed in Japanese cinema. Um, but it, it's a good movie. It's beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. There are some great performances in it. Um, uh, it, it book some time because it's about three hours long. Yeah, you ended up watching it over like three days. Oh yeah, it's a very, very, um, very long, very intense movie. Yeah, and um, it's worth it if you have the Amazon Prime mm-hmm. and you have not seen Ron, check it out. Yeah, I, I'd recommend that. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. There's your, there's your, there's your movie recommendation for something that was deeply loved in this household. Exactly. So it's not on meh. We don't like anything. No, it wasn't like that. Except when... You're hostile. You're sincere. My only complaint with Ron is when they sing a very sincere song about how they feel alone. Mm. Oh, I didn't like that. That, No, that's not it at all. Okay. It's like, this sounds nothing like Kurosawa. No, there's no scene like that at all. I'm doing a Ron Dear Evan Hansen mashup. It's, it didn't work. No, okay, no, well. It didn't work. I'm well, trying to find something hostile. <laughs> Very sorry. <laughs> all right, so um, Eternal is an, an enthusiasm. <laughs> um, Dear Evan Hansen, we're glad other people like things. And Lansky, Phil will watch this as a, as a gangster completist. <laughs> And Lisa will watch this as a Harvey Keitel completist. You take that back. Okay, I will. Oh, slander. So you see how... See see what I'm subjected to? What, again, going back to the beginning, should have worked that into the vows. Oh, that I, that I didn't have to watch Harvey Keitel? Yes. Well, we didn't know. Okay, who knew? Yeah, exactly. Who could have predicted any of this? Okay. All that we knew was that an up-and-coming movie named Zoolander would be out next year. Yep. <laughs> It was a it was a very optimistic time. That's how you bring it back, folks. This has been Phil and Lisa Room the Movies with me, Lisa Schmeiser. And, and me and Philip Michaels. I yes. don't know. Where, how are we signing off now? Have a great night, everybody. <laughs>